Praise the Lord. Well, we've got some meetings going on today, so we're not going to have any praise and worship, but let's just stand up anyway. Let's get ourselves into an attitude of worship. You know, I should say we're not having any singing. In fact, uh, as you're standing, let me read a scripture to you. Romans chapter 12, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, notice that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Now the Amplified says, present your bodies, presenting all your members and faculties as a living sacrifice, holy, devoted, consecrated, and well-pleasing to God, which is your reasonable, rational, intelligent service, notice, and spiritual worship. Glory to God. Let's just lift our hands. Let's just worship Him this morning. Father, we do present ourselves to You today, Father. Father, we offer up ourselves, we offer up our lives, Father, as a living sacrifice to You, Father. Father, we choose, Father, to worship You today, Father. We choose, Father, to sit at the Master's feet, to hear Your words, Father, to hear what the Holy Spirit would have to speak unto us, to say unto us, Father, to lead us, to direct us, to guide us, Holy Spirit, we thank you that you're here today, that you're present with us. Not only you're present with us today, but that you never leave us, you never forsake us. Holy Spirit, we thank you that you're the teacher, that you're here today to help us, that you're here today to comfort us. Oh, we thank you that you're here today to enable us. Enable us to be doers of your word and not hearers only. Father, we just thank you today, Father. We can thank you in advance, Father, for all that's already been accomplished, Father because of the precious blood of the Lord Jesus, because of His sacrifice. Father, we thank You that we're already in the kingdom of God. Oh, heaven is our citizenship. Heaven is our home, Father. And we thank You, Father, that You've already supplied to us every need that we have, Father. Physical healing belongs to us, Father. So open our eyes to that today. Allow us to see, Father, what adjustments must we make, what steps must we take, what corrections must we make, Father, because, Father, we know it's not you. It's not you that's causing it not to come to pass, Father. You've already done your part. So, Father, we just humble ourselves today to your word, and we give you thanks. We give you thanks, Father. We choose to worship you, Father. We choose. Oh, we thank you. Let's just thank you. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Father. Oh, we worship you, we worship you, we worship you, we worship you, Father. We worship you today, Father. We worship you, Father God. Lifting up holy hands without wrath, without doubting, no doubt. No, Father, we believe, Father. We believe. We receive, Father. Oh, we worship you. We worship you. Oh, we worship you today, Father. We worship you. We worship you. We worship you, Father. Oh, we yield ourselves over to you, Father. We yield ourselves over to you, Father. Oh, we thank you, Lord Jesus. Glory to God. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Oh, we give you praise. Father, we just thank you for your presence, Father. In your presence is fullness of joy. Joy unspeakable. Thank you, Father. We give you praise. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. 
Well, you can go ahead and be seated. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. 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 You know, in prayer this morning, um, there was a word of the Lord that came forth from a tongues and interpretation from Pastor John and Michelle. But in the middle of that, there was um, a statement that uh, the Lord spoke through Pastor John that I thought was so appropriate. And it can be appropriate, it can be appropriate here, definitely here this morning in healing service, but I think in anything that we're believing God for. But listen to this, I wrote this down. And let's put this in light of healing. But anyway, he, the Holy Spirit spoke this morning and said, this is not something that you're trying to bring to pass. Get that. This is something that you're not trying to bring to pass. This is something you are yielding to. And you take that and write that down, meditate on that, and think on that, and you'll get it. It's a yielding to something. It's already been done. It's already been completed. Healing already belongs to us. These things are ours. So open your Bibles with me this morning, and let's go to 2 Peter. 2 Peter, chapter 1. Glory to God. Thank you, Father. Beginning at verse 1, 2 Peter, chapter 1, verse 1. Simon Peter, a servant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to them that have obtained like precious faith with us through the righteousness of God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Now, really, you know, we, we know what this says, but sometimes I think it's, it's good, uh, just good to refresh our memory. When you become born again, of course, the Scriptures tell us in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 that we become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And, of course, Romans 12, verse 3 tells us that He has given us, every one of us, the measure of faith. And really, that's what he's telling us right here. When we become born again, notice he's telling us here, when we become born again through our righteousness of God, our Savior, Jesus Christ, we've obtained like precious faith. You've got the faith. Like precious faith, just like the disciples, just like Jesus. Like precious faith. So it's not a faith issue. You've already got the faith. Now, I'm not saying it's not that you're not exercising it. We have to exercise that which we have. But you've already got the faith. As I said in Romans 12, 3, He has given to us the measure of faith. So you have faith. If you're born again, you've got faith. I think so many times we keep saying, Lord, I need more faith. I need more faith. I need more faith. Lord, give me faith. Well, first of all, how's faith come? Faith comes by hearing. And really when you're hearing the Word of God, it's not necessarily that you're receiving more faith is that you're developing the faith that you have. You know, when a child, a baby's born into the world, it's got, he's got all the muscles, so she does, boy or girl. He's got all the muscles, got all the organs, got everything the child needs. It's just not developed yet. And as that child grows and, and feeds on natural things, gets the right foods, exercises, it's developed. Well, spiritually speaking, it's the same way. As we feed on the Word of God, as we hear the Word of God, we're going to develop that which we already have. And he's telling us, Peter's saying, you already have like precious faith. Glory to God, you've already got the faith. So we got that taken care of, right? We've got faith. 
So don't let that be an issue with you anymore because that's how the devil works. Now let's go on. Now notice he says, grace and peace be multiplied. Oh, I like that. Multiplied. Grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and Jesus our Lord. Now we could word this and we'd be taking nothing away from the Scriptures. We could say grace and peace is multiplied to us through the knowledge of the Word of God. Because Jesus and the Word are one. So the more word that we hear, the more knowledge that we get, the more grace and peace it tells us here is going to be multiplied to us. Now look at verse 3. According as His divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of Him that has called us to glory and virtue. Now again, look what it says. According as His divine power hath, not going to, hath given unto us. It's past tense. That means it's already resident within us. It's a sleeping giant is what it is. We've got to resurrect it. But it's resident within us. So he's really telling us here, everything that we need that pertains to life and godliness has been given to us. And in essence, we could almost say, if you look on, it says, through the knowledge of him that's called us to glory. It's, it's like it's awakened, because faith comes by hearing. It's awakened to us, whereby are given unto us great, exceeding great and precious promises, that by these, by these great and precious promises, notice, that you might be a partaker of his divine nature. Or really, we could word it this way, that you'll be able to walk in it. You'll be able to experience it. And that's what he wants for us. All things that pertain to life and godliness. Healing pertains to life and godliness, does it not? I mean, you know, we've shared this before. Before you were in your mother's womb, before you were even conceived, you were on God's mind. It tells us that in Jeremiah. Before you were even conceived, you were on his mind because he knew you were going to be created. He knew when you'd be conceived. He knew where you would be born. He knew where you would live. He knew what you would do. It was his idea. It was his plan. However you got here, whether it was by accident or not, it wasn't an accident in his mind. Because before you were conceived in your mother's womb, he knew you would be here. He already had a plan and a purpose for us. Well, if he had a plan and a purpose for me laid out, then he already had the supply or the provision that I would need to be able to walk in that. Now, the thief, John 10.10, 10, the thief but comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Jesus says, but I've come to give you life, and life, not just life, but life more abundantly. Now, it would only make sense if you think about what those things that I just said, that if God knew and already had created a plan for you, had a purpose for you on this earth, that he wants you to be able to have divine health and walk in divine health so you can fulfill the plan and purpose that God has for you. But there's an enemy that comes against us called the thief. He's the author of sickness and disease. 
You know, so many people, and they're so sincere, but they have not accepted the fact that sickness and disease is of the devil. And you're going to have to get past that first thing first. Jesus says, I've come to give life and life more abundantly. So anything negative taking place in your life is not of the Lord Jesus Christ. You've got to settle that in your heart. And I think sometimes it's almost easy. It takes the responsibility away from us if we think God's doing it. But you know, when somebody thinks like that, I'd like to say, then why do you even bother to go to a doctor? I mean, if you think God caused the sickness and disease, and I don't think anybody in here does, but you're going to be ministering to people who do. I promise you, you will. So we'll put it in that context. When you happen to be talking to those people and they think that God is the one that put them on, this disease on them or that disease on them to teach them something, then ask them, well, why do you go to the doctor then? Because you're against God's will. Don't you want to be pleasing to the Father? You know, we laugh at that, but hey, it's either one or the other. If God did it, then don't violate his will by get, going to the doctor and getting help. No, you just have to think about that a little bit. And you realize that's not truth. But he's telling us here that all things that pertain to life and godliness, he's given to us. And it even goes on and he says, um, I lost my place. Here we go. He goes on here and he says, grace and peace is multiplied to us through the knowledge of God. Now, with all that said, let me rock your theology. Several years ago, there was a minister. If I said his name, you'd all know who he was. And there's no reason I'm not saying his name, but it's neither here nor there. He was sitting in a service. Wasn't teaching at the service. He was a minister, but he was just there feeding and receiving of the Word of God just like we do. And he says this, he was sitting in that service, and it was, it, was a, it was a minister's meeting. It was a meeting that was full of ministers. I was sitting in the meeting. And this individual says, I looked around the room, and I looked at all these ministers. And he says, just down on the inside, I heard these words. It wasn't an audible voice. It was just down on his, in his heart. He heard these words, and I wrote it down. He says, the Spirit was saying to him, there's a misconception in your circles. Now, when he was talking in your circle, he was talking people like you and I, people what we would refer to as word of faith people, people that believe the word of God and believe walking by faith. And the Lord was saying to him, there's a misconception in your circles. The Lord says, if you believe, you believe, I'm sorry, you believe, or the people in your circle, you believe, if you will get in the word enough, it will solve all your problems and fix your life. And he says, as I heard that, I says, uh, yeah, Lord, we do believe that. And then he heard this. Wrong. Do you get that? Listen to what I said. You believe if you will get in the Word enough, it will solve all your problems and fix your life. Now, how many of you believe that? I do, or did. <laughs> wrong. Why is it wrong? It's only the doer of the word that will get things fixed. You can hear it and hear it and hear it and hear it. And you know what happens to us, us word of faith people? We hear it and we hear it and we hear it and we hear it and we hear it so much that we think we're doing it. 
and we're not. And i got one little simple example I'll use out of the Scriptures. I've probably abused it. In fact, I know I've used it here before. But there's some people that aren't here all the time. So it's a real good one. In fact, let's just turn to it and see it. James chapter 1. James chapter 1. I, mean, I just have to prove this to everybody. James chapter 1. We'll go to James chapter 2 in just a minute, and I'll show you what the Scripture tells us that. But James chapter 1, verse 2. James chapter 1, verse 2. Just a couple books back from Peter. Now look, first of all, let's look at James chapter 1, verse 1, because we see James is talking to, to Christians. James, the servant of God and the Lord Jesus Christ, to the twelve tribes which are scattered abroad, greeting. Verse 2, notice, my brethren. So he's talking to born-again Christians. Now James is a pastor. He was a pastor of a church, half-brother of Jesus. Church he pastored was about 25,000. We would call that today a megachurch. Some people have problems with megachurches. Don't have problems with it. Jesus didn't have problems with it, okay? Anyway, verse 2. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations. How many of you, when you fall into, when you enter into a temptation, immediately start counting it joy? That's what the Bible says, right? Isn't that what I I read? Maybe yours reads different. Amplified says, Consider it hopefully joyful, my brethren, Whenever you are enveloped in or encounter trials of any sort or fall into various temptations. See, we're not doers of the Word. Now, I don't know about you. Now, I'm I'm changing. I'm not there yet. I'm working on this. But when I fall into diverse temptations or I enter into a trial, used to what I would do was write Brumble complaint. Now, don't look at me like that. You do, too. You may not realize you do that, but you really do. Why is this happening to me? You get up in the morning. You go out to get in your car, and their tires flat. Oh, man. Instead of, glory to God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. You know why James is telling us that? You know why the Word says that? Count it all joy when you enter into trials. Because to get through any trial, you're going to have to have strength. And the Scriptures tell us that the joy of the Lord is our strength. He didn't say, now listen, he says count it all joy. He didn't say you have to be happy. There's a difference between happiness and joy. Joy is a spiritual force. Joy is a fruit of the Spirit. And you can do this because... All things that pertain to life and godliness have already been given to you. And joy pertains to life and godliness. In fact, go over to Galatians. Hold your place in James because we're going to come back to it sometime. But hold it there. Go to Galatians chapter 5. Galatians chapter 5. Let's just start with verse 16. Galatians chapter 5, beginning at verse 16. Now, verse 13, don't go to 13, but if you are, you can look there, but uh, the people that are putting up on the screen, just stay with verse 16. But again, in verse 13, again, Paul's talking to the church. He's talking to born-again Christians. Paul says in verse 13, 
for brethren. So he's again talking to the church. Just want to establish that. But verse 13, this I say then, talking to Christians, talking to you and me, this I say then, notice, walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. So what's he saying? Walk in the Spirit or walk by the Word. Walk according to the Spirit of God. Don't walk according to your five physical senses. Don't walk according to what you feel like. Don't walk according to what your circumstances look like. Now, he's not saying how you feel and those circumstances aren't true. He's not saying that. But that isn't how we are to walk. We're people of faith. We're to walk by the Word. So he says, look at here. Walk in the Spirit, you'll not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusts against the Spirit and Spirit against the flesh. These are contrary one to another. Verse 18, but if you are led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. If you're led by the Spirit. Now, the word led is a Greek word spelled A-G-O, ego. And it's a root word of the word agon, A-G-O-N, which is our word for agony. Walking by the Spirit is sometimes almost like agony. And what's he saying by that? He's saying there's a battle that goes on between your flesh and your spirit. You have a will. You can make a decision to have joy or to gripe, grumble, and complain. You can make that decision. You know, years ago, uh, it says over in um, Luke chapter 1, Luke, or Luke chapter 4, verse 1, in Luke chapter 3, we see where Jesus, where he was called at that point or separated into full-time ministry. He was the carpenter. You know, he was the son of God, but he was, he was separated into the full-time ministry. He went to John the Baptist, and John the Baptist baptized him. And the Scriptures tell us in Luke chapter 3 that when Jesus went down under the water, it says that the Spirit, like a dove, came down upon him. In essence, that's when he was filled with the Spirit or empowered by the Spirit of God to fulfill his call and purpose upon this earth. Then in Luke chapter 4, verse 1, it says that Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. Think about that. He was led by the Spirit. I'm sure there was some agony taking place in his life at that point. He knew what his purpose on this earth was. He knew he was to become a living sacrifice for the body of Christ. He knew that ultimately down the road in a few years, he was going to have to be crucified and slain as the lamb to purchase back mankind. He knew that. Now, I'm sure in the natural, he wasn't clapping his hands and kicking his feet and saying, oh, glory to God. No, he chose to do that. But understand something. He had a will just like you and I did. In fact, when he was in that garden of Gethsemane, he had a choice to make. Father, not my will, but yours be done. He could have said, I can't do it. Oh, he couldn't do that. Yes, he could have. He was a man. He was deity, but he was humanity. It took a man to do that. A man had to pay the price to buy back man that fell. Man had to do it. He was a man. Get a hold of that. He was a man like you are, like I am. But he was a man that was empowered by the Spirit of God. The same Spirit that's in you. The same Spirit that's in me. 
the same Spirit that empowered him to do what he does, or did, and still does, really, because he's seated at the right hand of the Father, is the same Spirit that's in you. If he did it, you can do it. But you're going to have to make a decision of your will to do it. So he was led, Luke chapter 4, verse 1, led by the Spirit into, the, into a wilderness experience. And as I said, I'm sure that his will didn't want to do that, but he knew he had to do that. And in that, in that, in that wilderness, tempted of the devil, and overcame the devil by saying, it is written, it is written, it is written. And the Scriptures tell us in at the end of Luke chapter 4, it says that the enemy left him for a season. Came back, but did leave him for a season because he was defeated. He was defeated how? By Jesus speaking the Word. Now, I bring that out because a number of years ago, me and I were uh, in Minneapolis, Minnesota. Some of you have heard this, but it bears repetition. We were in Minneapolis, Minnesota. And I was going to be ministering on a Sunday evening in a church. And B's sister lives there, so her and her sister were out in the afternoon shopping. And I was in our motel room on Sunday afternoon, and I was studying out those scriptures in Luke that I just shared with you. And as I was studying that out, as I was meditating on the scriptures, just down on the inside, it just rose up inside me. The question came to me, did you ever wonder why Jesus was in the wilderness 40 days and the children of Israel were in the wilderness 40 years? And I thought, I never even correlated those two things, let alone thought about it. So I thought, no, I never thought about that. And as I'm thinking on that, I'm thinking, well, why is that? And as soon as the thought came to me, why is that, came the answer. Because Jesus spoke the word and defeated the enemy. The children of Israel griped, grumbled, and complained. If we don't count it all joy, we're going to stay in the wilderness. We're going to have to be doers of the word. And I took you over to Galatians chapter 5 because just John jumped down to verse 22. Galatians chapter 5, verse 22. But the fruit of the Spirit. Now notice, Paul is talking here. He's telling us to be led by the Spirit. Being led by the Spirit is not something mystical. We make being led by the Spirit being something very, very difficult to do. Oh, I wish I could learn how to be led by the Spirit. It's not that difficult. It's a yielding is all it is. It's you and I learning to yield what has already been deposited within us. And it's a decision of our will. You're either going to yield to the things of God or you're going to yield to the things of the world or the things of your flesh. And every day you and I make a decision on that. Last week, you know, we talked about presenting ourselves. And we looked at Romans chapter 12, verse 1 today. But, you know, if we could get into that place where on a consistent basis, and really should be daily, but if we could get on, on a consistent basis, when we work, wake up in the morning, if one of the first things that we would do is just lift up our hands and say, Father, I offer myself to you today as a living sacrifice. I present myself to you. What am I doing? Immediately then at the beginning of the day, I'm offering or I'm yielding myself over to the Spirit of God. Oh, I've got things I have to do. I've got a job I have to go to. You've got things you have to do. He knows that. He knows what your day is. 
But when I offer or I yield myself over to him, what I'm really doing is saying, you direct my steps today. You direct my paths today. Because look what he's saying here in, in verse 22. But the fruit of the Spirit, now notice, is love. The fruit of the Spirit is joy. It's peace. It's long-suffering. It's gentleness. It's goodness. It's faith. Other translations say faithfulness. It's meekness and temperance. They're all fruit, and they're in you. When you get born again, they get deposited in us. They're fruit. Now, in the spring of the year, when the trees begin to blossom and bud, fruit trees have a blossom or a bud on it. But there's no fruit developed yet. But as the year progresses, the fruit begins to develop more. And then ultimately you can partake of the fruit. Same way with you and me. The fruit of the Spirit's in us. But the more that will nurture that fruit, the more I make a decision of my will, today I'm going to walk in love. Today I'm going to yield to peace. Now, Isaiah chapter 26, verse 3. In fact, just let me read it to you. You don't have to turn there. Isaiah 26, 3. Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace, no notice, whose mind is stayed on thee. So I can see that if I'll keep my mind on the word, guess what? That's where the peace is. So if I don't have any peace, then that tells me something. My mind isn't stayed on the word. So I've got to ask, no, wait a minute, it, well, I, I lost my peace. Well, good question is where'd you lose it? What did you do? What was taking place in your life? Go back and try to, try to determine where did you lose peace? You might say, well, Pastor Craig, I don't know if I've ever had peace. Some people don't. Then spend some time in the Word. Carve out some of your day. doesn't have to be a lot, but begin carving out some and begin reading the Word a little bit and begin to meditate on the Word some. That is one area that we in the body of Christ miss it probably more than anything else is we don't meditate on the Word enough. And people say, well, I don't know how to meditate. Well, you really do. You do it every day. You just don't know it, except you're just not meditating on the Word. The, world's, the, world's, the world calls what we call meditation, the world calls worry. You can relate, can't you? That's what meditation is. When you worry, what are you doing? You're taking a negative thing and you're continually rolling, over, rolling that over and over in your mind. In fact, you're even thinking, now, if this happens over here, and gosh, if this happens, this is going to take place. And You're just rolling that over and over in your mind. And you know what? It ain't helping you one bit because you aren't going to change anything anyway. Now, meditation is the same thing. So you'll find a scripture or a portion of scripture and you'll take that and you'll begin to think on that. The joy of the Lord is my strength. The joy of the Lord is my strength. 
I thank you, Father. I've got joy. The joy of the Lord is my strength. I've got joy. It's in me. I've got joy. So you just start doing that. Now, you're going to have to do that as a deliberate thing. But see, that's being a doer of the Word because the Bible tells us to do that. In fact, Joshua tells us that we're to meditate on the Word day and night. Day and night. Day and night. That means all it's really saying is really putting the Word first place, keeping that Word foremost in your thoughts. Because every one of you, you've got things that you're doing. You're busy. You're doing things. So he's not saying every moment of every day you're going to have the Word on your mind. No, you're going to be going about doing some things, but when you take a pause, when you take a break, think about the Word for a minute. And you can develop in that. It's going to take some time. Don't beat yourself up. You're going to grow in this. You're going to develop in this. You're going to learn how to do these things. But see, we talked about over in Peter, Second Peter, we talked about being in the Word, Spending time with grace and peace is multiplied through the knowledge of the Word. See, it's not how much Word that you have up here. It's how much Word is working down here. Years ago, there was a lady that right, right after I got uh, baptized in the Holy Ghost, um, there was a, a Catholic nun. She prayed with me for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Corrected me on some things because I was messed up on some things on that. I was lied to by the devil and yielded to it. But anyway, after I got filled with the Holy Ghost, she told me, she said, she just shared something. She said, let me tell you something about the Word. She says, don't be concerned of how much Word you can read. Be more concerned of how much you get out of the Word that you do read. And then she went on and said, don't be concerned about reading three or four or five or six chapters a day. Read a verse or a portion of a verse every day and get everything out of that that you can get out of it that day. And then she took it on a step further because it was a rural area that we lived in and I'd been raised on a farm. And she took it a step further and she says, the best way to liken unto it is, is an old cow. A cow, you know, a cow's got two stomachs. It sounds a little bit gross, but a cow's got two stomachs. They chew on something, they swallow it, then they bring it back up and they chew on it some more. And what they're doing, they're getting all the nutrients out of that that they can get. Now, they'll eat, they'll eat some hay, but if you've ever been raised on a farm, in a hay, sometimes there's some little sticks and some things that are not good in that. Well, the cow, what he'll do, he'll chew on that and chew on that and chew on that and get all the good nutrients out of the good stuff he gets and he'll spit out the, hay, the sticks. And that's what you and I have to do. But see, I think sometimes we, we've got this misconception that I've got to get more word, more word, more word, more word, more word. No, just get some truth out of the word you do have. And spend a little bit of time there. Now, there's one, one truth I want to focus on a little bit this morning. Go with me to um, Matthew. We'll start with Matthew. Now, let's go to Luke instead. Let's take a look at Luke. I believe it's verse seven or chapter 7, beginning at verse 1. There's a lot of truths that we can look at. But there's one specific truth that probably will gain us more ground than then many truths will, if we'll start out here. Now, we were going to go to James. I had you hold your place there. We didn't. But James, James 1 tells us to be a doer of the Word and not a hearer only. And then he goes on and says, the hearer only of the Word, hearers only, notice, deceive themselves. If you're in deception, it's not from the enemy. 
is from us not being a doer of the word. We've heard the word, but we haven't done it. Hearing it's good, but it doesn't get you much ground if you're not doing something with what you've heard. So if we can spend some time and take maybe one central truth, focus on that one central truth, and walk away and say, now I'm going to do that truth today. And, and, and try to develop yourself and, so you have a morning devotion. Now your time might be such some days that you might have five minutes, maybe ten. That, that might be all you have. That's fine. If nothing else, open up your book and read a proverb or a portion of a proverb. Proverbs is a great book to read. It's a book of wisdom. And there's 31 proverbs. And six months out of the year, there's 31 days. Five months out of the year, there's 30. And then there's that other one month, February. Who knows how many days there are. Depends on what year it is. The whole point is, though, you could read one proverb every day for a month, and you got through the book of Proverbs. And think about if you did that every month. In 12 months, you read Proverbs 12 times. And Proverbs says, wisdom is the beginning of knowledge. Wisdom. That's where wisdom's at. But take a truth. But maybe it's only a scripture that you can read. Or maybe a portion of a scripture. But try to, every day, try to discipline yourself that I'm going to read a little portion of a scripture or devotion, whatever, get a truth out of it, and I'm going to act on that truth today. I'm going to do that today. And if you'll do that throughout the whole day, you'll get that solidified down on the inside of you. And once we've done that for, for a season like that, Guess what? The Holy Spirit, who's the teacher, says he'll bring all things to our remembrance. So when a trial comes, he'll bring that truth to you, which has been deposited down on the inside, and he'll show you what to do with that, how to get out of that situation that you're in. That's being a doer of the Word. It's not a difficult thing to do. I think sometimes we have all these things that we hear. I mean, I've got to walk in love, and I've got to speak the word all the time, and I've got to do this, and I've got to do this, and I've got to do this, and I've got to do this. And you know what happens? We go tilt. I can't do any of it. It's just too much. It's overwhelming. Ever had that? I do. So overwhelming, guess what we do? Nothing. It really, that's how we are. It's so much to do, we don't do anything. And guess who won? The enemy. But really, we deceived ourselves. I had, I had a, a, a gentleman that I'm working with, uh, and when he's um, got some emotional issues that he's dealing with, uh, bipolar, they've diagnosed it as, um, the world has. And I've told him that whenever that anxiety comes on, you call me. And uh, unfortunately, he's taken advantage of that. Now, I shouldn't say, not, not, not in a negative sense. I mean, you'd be surprised how many times this guy calls me. But that's okay. We're going to get him through it. Because I told him to do it, and I meant it. So I'll help him. But, you know, like anything else, it's always at the inconvenient time that the phone call comes. Phone's ringing. Oh, glory to God. You know what I do? Oh, gosh. And then I think, thank you, Jesus. See, I have to, I'm like you. I don't initially count it all joy. But I'm getting there that I see it now. I begin to count it all joy. But he called me last night. He was on his way home in the car right before service this last night. He says, Pastor Craig, he says, it's, it's, it's here again. I said, okay. I says, what do you think you should do? And he says, well, there's a long pause. He said, I, I guess I, I, I better get home. I'm only about 10 minutes from home. I guess I better get home. 
and I better get my confession book out, and I better start reading my confessions about how I'm an overcomer. I said, okay, but that ain't going to help you right now, is it? I says, you're 10 minutes from home. So you want to put up with this another 10 minutes? Well, no, I don't want to do that. I said, what do you think you could do? Well, he said, well, what came to me is, is the name of Jesus. And I said, then, then why don't you speak that out? He says, you mean just Jesus? I said, yeah, just over and over. He says, you mean just Jesus, Jesus, Jesus? I says, yeah, it's a good place to start. This is the name that's above every name. And he says, Jesus is over bipolar, isn't it? I says, well, the Bible says it's above every name. He came in, called me this morning, and said, uh, that worked last night. When I got home, I didn't have to get the Scripture book out. I told him, I said, you know, there's nothing wrong with the Scripture book. The Scripture book's good. But that Scripture book can't be your lifeline. The lifeline is the teacher that's on the inside. And I says, you use the Scripture book to get the Word in you. But don't let that be your lifeline. You know, I, I had a misconception. We'll get to this in a minute. I had a misconception on something that um, I know that the Bible tells us that we're supposed to worship Him. And I was always at a loss for, I'm not Karen, so I can't sing like Karen can, okay? But I'm always, I'm always at a loss, what do I, how do I worship? I mean, okay, I mean, thank you, Lord Jesus, I worship you, I praise you. That's good for two minutes or three minutes or four minutes, but for an hour? How do I do that for an hour? It wasn't too long ago, it was probably a little over a year ago, I was at a meeting where Keith Moore was at. And this particular service that we were at, we got done with praise and worship, and Keith went ahead and did the offering and so forth and getting ready to get up and preach, and he says, let's just worship the Lord for a few minutes before we start. He lifts up his hands, and, I worship you, Lord Jesus. I just praise you and worship you, Father. Five minutes, 10 minutes, 15 minutes, 20 minutes, 25 minutes, 30 minutes, 35 minutes, 40 minutes, 45 minutes. Same thing, over and over and over and over and over. And I thought, this is how you do it? And I watched him. And all of a sudden, the countenance on his face began to change. And he hit about 50 minutes. And all of a sudden, he started calling out words of knowledge. I mean, it was like popcorn popping. I mean, boop, boop, boop. I mean, all over the place, he started calling things out. Healings began taking place. Things began happening. We left that meeting, and I said to V, I says, did you notice what he did? Fifty minutes. Thank you, Lord Jesus, I worship you. We make it too hard. You know, just yield to what's in your heart. Just yield to what's in Allow the Holy Ghost to have free course. But just make sure you're doing it. That's the key. Make sure that we're doing it. Now, let's go over here to Luke. I think I took you to Luke. We did, and we'll go someplace else. Luke chapter 7, verse 1. Now, when he had ended in all his sayings in the audience of the people talking about Jesus, he entered into Capernaum, 
And a certain centurion servant who was near unto him was sick and ready to die. And when he heard of Jesus, he sent unto him the elders of the Jews, beseeching him that he would come and heal his servant. Now notice, we understand something. Faith comes by hearing. So the centurion, it says here, the centurion, when he had heard of Jesus. Now, I don't think this is a one-time hearing. I think he'd heard and heard and heard and heard, because faith comes by hearing. You just don't hear something once and have complete faith and confidence in it. Now, you can hear something once and light comes, but that doesn't mean you have complete assurance in it yet. But when light does come, a responsibility comes to us. When light comes, walk in the light. I mean, think about that in the natural. Um, my, daughter and son, my daughter-in-law and son, grandson, staying at our house for a couple of nights this week. His furnace went out and quit working, and it's cold out. And I told him it went out on Sunday, and they're going to have to have a new furnace. He knew it because there were some other things wrong with it. He didn't listen to his dad, but that's okay. Uh, Tried to tell him him this summer, why don't you get your furnace fixed because you'll probably have problems with it this fall. He said, well, you spoke that into existence. And I said, no, I didn't. It's 15 years old. You had problems with it a year ago. So he's blaming dad, but that's okay. But anyway, the furnace goes out, and so he knew that he was going to have to replace it. And I told him, I said, well, because it's been chilly. And I told him, why don't you just come over and stay at our house? Oh, no, no, it'll be fine. It'll be fine. I got a little two-year-old boy, two-and-a-half-year-old boy. Jack gets up (laughs) Sunday morning or Monday morning, no, Tuesday morning, Tuesday morning, Jack gets up, he's crying. Cold, Mommy, cold! Cold, Mommy, cold! I thought it was funny. <clears throat> so anyway, they come over to our house. Our house is kind of dark. Their house, the way their house is set up, they've got windows and they've got, it, their house is very open, and they've got street light right outside their window. Well, in our neighborhood, there is no street lights. People have little lights, little lamps out by their driveway or something, but it's not near as bright. And our bedrooms, or at least the bedrooms they're in, are in the back part of the house. So it's real dark. So Heather said this yesterday morning. She said to me, she said, I got up during the middle of the night. She says, I couldn't even see. I didn't know where to go. It was so dark in there. (laughs) Guess what she did? Turned on the light. Guess what happened when she turned on the light? She knew where to go. Now, isn't that simple? That's what the word is to us. It's light. It's revelation. But once we get the light on something, walk in it. We don't do that. We get the light and say, ooh, wasn't that good? We walk out of a meeting, wasn't that good? And James says, that guy, looking in the mirror, beholding himself, walks away and forgets what manner of man that he was. Now, I'm more guilty of this than you. I've been in this 30 years and I haven't learned all these things yet. Because, you know, it's sad that there are some people that have been in the Word for 20, 25 years. I mean the Word, the Word, the Word, 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 Word people. Been in the Word 25, 30 years, and their life hasn't hardly changed yet. Now, that's not the Word's fault. That's the person's fault because we're not walking in the light of the Word that we have. So when I'm sharing these things with you, I'm, I'm having to do them just like you are because I'm not walking at all where I want to walk and really what the Bible tells me where to walk. And you know what that's telling me? It says without faith, it's impossible to please him. If we're not walking in the light that he's given us, now listen, you're only accountable to walk in the light that you've given. But you that come to healing service every week, guess what? We're going to give you lots of light, okay? 
But no, you're only accountable to walk in the light that you've been given. But don't beat yourself up. Just take some light and begin walking on that. But don't try to do it all. Take one thing and get it down. And then take something else and get it down. Because you'll keep the first one. And you'll begin building on this, building blocks. But notice here, it says here that the centurion, when he heard of Jesus, sent unto him the elders and the Jews, beseeching him that he would come and heal his servant. And when they came to Jesus, they besought him instantly, saying that he was worthy of whom he should do this, for he loves our nations and built upon his synagogue. Then Jesus went with them. When he was not far from the house, the centurion sent friends to him, saying unto him, Lord, trouble not thyself, for I am not worthy that you should go under my roof. Wherefore, neither thought I myself worthy to come unto thee, but say in a word, and my servant shall be healed. Notice that. But say in a word. Say the word, and my servant's going to be healed. Now, it's set up above in verse 3, when he heard of Jesus. But now he's saying down here, Lord, it's not worthy for you to come underneath my roof. You just say a word and my servant will be healed. What must have he heard of Jesus? He must have heard that man, Jesus, got power in his words, or he wouldn't have said that. Look at the next verse. The centurion saying, For I also am a man set under authority, having under me soldiers. And I say unto one, Go, and he goes, and to another, Come, and he comes, and to my servant, Do this, and he does it. Verse 9. When Jesus heard these things, he marveled at him and turned him about and said unto the people that followed him, I say unto you, I have not found so great a faith, no, not in Israel. Now the uh, message, or the Ben Campbell Johnson paraphrase of verse 9 reads this way. Jesus was amazed at the message. Now the message was, speak the word only, or say the word and my servant will be healed. And it's saying that Jesus was amazed at the message. He turned around and said to the people who were following him, He says, actually, I've not experienced this depth of faith before, even among those who presumably have faith. Now, what's he saying? What's he calling faith? Speaking the word. That's the faith. See, you've already got the faith. Romans 12, 3 says you have it. It's been given to you. You've already got it. So what's he saying? Speak it. Now, look at um, Matthew's account. Go to Matthew chapter 8. Matthew chapter 8. Begin at verse 5. Matthew chapter 8, verse 5. And when Jesus was entered into Capernaum, there came unto him a centurion, beaching him, saying, Lord, my servant lies at home, sick of the palsy, grievously tormented. Jesus said unto him, I will come and heal him. The servant answered and said, Lord, I'm not worthy that you should come under my roof, but speak the word only. Now, I think there's a key here that we we miss sometimes. Speak the word only. I think what we need to get out of that little phrase is all the words we always speak should line up with his word. Because that's how faith works. Words come out of our mouth all the time. Are they words of life or are they words of death? 
And if we're going to speak contrary to what the Word says, that's death. The point here that the centurion is telling Jesus, speak the Word only. Let's go on. Let's go what he says here. And my servant will be healed. For I am a man under authority, having soldiers unto me. Notice again, I say unto this man. Notice the importance of words. I say unto this man, go and he goeth unto another, come and he comes unto my servant, do this, and he does it. When Jesus heard he marveled, and he said unto them that followed, Verily I say unto you, not so great a faith, no, not in Israel. And I say unto them that many shall come from the east and the west, and shall sit down with Abraham and Isaac and Jacob into the kingdoms of heaven. He's talking about the Gentiles there. But the children of the kingdom shall be cast out into ardent darkness with weeping and gnashing of teeth. And Jesus said unto the centurion, Go thy way. Now notice, as thou hast believed, so shall it be done unto me. As you have believed. Now verse 13 out of another translation reads this way. Go on home because what you have believed is really true. It will, just, it will happen just as you have said. In essence, you're going to have what you just said. You said, speak the word only. I'll do that. Go on home. It'll be just like you said. Now, there's a, a truth here that we have to get a hold of. It's saying something and sticking with what you said. Did you get that? You say something and you stick with that because your circumstances may not change immediately. Go with me to Mark. You're, you're familiar with Mark. Let's go to Mark. Look at verse 12, chapter 11. I'm sorry, Mark chapter 11. I didn't tell what chapter, did I? Mark chapter 11, verse 12. Mark eleven twelve, And on the morrow, when they were come from Bethany, he was hungry. And seeing a fig tree afar off with leaves, having, having leaves, he came happily he might find anything thereon. And when he came to it and found nothing but leaves, for the time was figs was not yet. And Jesus said unto it, No man eat fruit thereof forever. And his disciples heard it. Jesus knows what Jesus is doing. He's speaking to the tree. The tree is supposed to have figs on it. The time is yet that the leaves were there. And in essence, the setting was, if the, leaves, if, the, if the fig tree had leaves on it, it was supposed to have had figs on it. It didn't. So in essence, it's a tree that's not producing. So Jesus is just using this as an example, showing them how faith works. And he said unto the tree, No man eat fruit here the after forever. Now notice, and his disciples heard it. Oh, get that. And disciples, his disciples heard it. That means he didn't say it within himself. He said it so that somebody could hear it. The most important person that needs to hear you saying something is you. I like what Pastor John says when people pray. When you pray, you've got to have words you can hear. Otherwise, it's meditation. So when you say something, say it so you can 
hear it. Because when you say something, guess what's happening? Faith comes by hearing. See, something happens when you speak words. Faith comes. When you speak words, which is really confession, there's a confession unto faith, and then there's a confession of faith. Faith comes by hearing. So when you initially begin speaking the word, what you're doing is developing your faith. And you'll keep speaking it and speaking it and speaking it and speaking it. And finally, it'll come to a place where you're no longer speaking it to receive faith. Now you become through your speaking faith. So in essence, it's speaking and it's going like this. It's developing. It's coming in. You're hearing and it's coming in. And you're going to keep speaking it until finally you're going to get so full of faith, which, what, which pushes out the unbelief. Because you've got to get rid of the unbelief. That's why we're not receiving. We don't believe it. And that's why you've got to stay with it. Keep speaking it. Don't quit. See, we feel so inadequate. But that's in you. That's, you are inadequate in your flesh. None of us can do anything in the flesh. We are inadequate. But my Bible, your Bible says, but greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. The greater one is in us. We're putting Him to work in our life. It's words that create. God created the universe with words. So you and I have to create our world with words. And it, it seems uh, the world doesn't understand this. It's hard for Christians to understand it. And that's why you do it because the Word says so. Because you initially will not believe it. But again, when you are reading the Word or when the Word's taught to you and you get a glimpse of something, have you ever said this to yourself? Oh, I see that. What happened? Light came. <clears throat> I see it. I see what you mean. No, light comes. When light comes, faith comes. So you say to yourself, oh, I see that. What? Now walk in that light. But keep doing it doesn't mean just because you see it, you have it. Have you ever been a child and go into a, <clears throat> I do this with my grandson, go into a toy store? I want that, I want that, I want that. What happens? He sees it. He doesn't have it yet. <clears throat> and as a good grandpa and a begging grandson, <laughs> guess what? He gets it. But he sees it first but he keeps begging for it. Now, we're not begging God. You don't have to beg for it. It already belongs to you. What? He's already, he hath given us all things that pertain to life and godliness. It's like having to talk yourself into it. It's the best way to put it, because really that's what it is. It is talking ourselves into it. It's saying it and saying it and saying it because you really don't believe it yet. And if you say it long enough, you'll talk yourself into it or you end up believing it. Because, see, what happens is there's unbelief in every one of us. Every one of us have unbelief in us. Unfortunately, some more than others. But again, we all start off on the same footing. We're all sinners. We're all saved by grace. We all become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. 
God, it tells us, Acts chapter 10, verse 34, Peter said it, God is not a respecter of persons. He doesn't respect you any more than you, more than you, more than you. Well, why can't a Keith Moore? Why can't a Kenneth Copeland? Why can't a guy this? Why can't a woman that? Why can't a Joyce Myers have it? Why can't they do it? Why can't I do it? Because they decided to do something about it. They decided when they didn't feel like it, when the circumstances didn't look right, they decided to take this word and put it into practice. And they stayed with it, and they stayed with it, and they stayed with it, and they stayed with it. When they felt like it, when they didn't feel like it. When things were going good, when things were going bad. They stayed with it. They st- when it looked worse and worse and worse, they stayed with it. They stayed with it. They stayed with it. And God is not a respecter of persons, but he does respect their faith. And all faith is is doing just what this centurion did. Speak the word only. Jesus here in Mark spoke to the fig tree. Look at verse 20. 20, Mark eleven twenty, And in the morning, as they passed by, and notice, and they saw the fig tree dried up. Remember in verse 14, it says, and his disciples heard it. They heard him speak. Several days later, they saw the results of what he spoke. They saw it. But they didn't see it until after they heard it. Now, he's highly developed in this. You and I may not be yet. So we stick with this, and we become more developed in this. Then look at verse 22, and Jesus answered and said unto them. So he used that as an example. Have faith in God, or what? Have the God kind of faith. What was the God kind of faith? The God kind of faith was speaking to the circumstance, speaking to the issue. Here he talks and he gives them an example in verse 23 and he begins talking about speaking to a mountain. We see over in Matthew, he, he talks about speaking to a tree. If you be rooted up as a tree, if you had faith as a grain of mustard seed, it says, you might say unto this sycamine tree, be thou rooted up and cast into the sea. So whether it's a mountain you're speaking to or roots you're speaking to, they have to go but you're going to have to stay with it because when you first begin speaking to your mountain, whatever your mountain is, might be financial, might be physical, might be a relationship, might be emotions, might be bipolar like this young man has, whatever it is, whenever you begin speaking to it, you're developing more and more. You're actually, I I won't say, you're developing the faith that you have because you've got the faith, but you have to develop. If you don't eat lion, they're dormant. Once, once a person gets born again, every one of us, when we got born again, faith came. The measure you need to fulfill your life's calling and purpose is there. Now, one of the things all of us need to fulfill our life's purpose is health. Another thing all of us need to fulfill our life's purposes is finances. Now, the faith for them is there. You being a doer, me being a doer of the word that we have light on, begin doing that and begin exercising that and it will begin to work. But it's a process. You stay with it and you stay with it and you stay with it and you stay with it. You'll get discouraged. You'll say some things sometimes you shouldn't. Just say, Father, forgive me and repent and walk on. I mean, it's no different than the guy going up the ladder 
and his foot slips and he falls down a, a step or two. He doesn't go to the bottom and start over again. No, he catches himself where he's at, picks himself back up, and starts back up the ladder. Keep doing it. Keep doing it. Keep. See, your job and my job is to be doer of the word. He's the one that brings about the manifestation. We're not about manifestations. We're about speaking the power of God's word. The power is what creates. Remember when uh, Jesus, or when God the Father spoke, it says, and the Father, in, in Genesis chapter 1, God spoke things into existence. It says, and God spoke what the word, and it came into being. Well, who was present there? God the Father, he spoke. What did he speak? The word, that's Jesus. Who else was there? The Holy Spirit. Because in verse 1, Genesis chapter 1, verse 1 and 2, it says, the Holy Spirit was present. He is the creator. He's the one that's got the power. And we've already read that the divine power that's within us, the power that's there, or is there in us, and when we speak, what we're doing, we're activating that power. We're putting him to work. We're giving him something to work with. That's the key. Give him something to work with. What's that? The words you speak. That's what you're giving him to work with. If you choose not to speak, he can't do anything. And you're going to have to do it when you don't feel like it. I, I know when you're, if you're in extreme amount of pain, it's difficult to do it. But do you push through and do it. He will give you the power to be able to do it. You have a helper on the inside. If, if nothing else, try your very best to give, get a revelation that God lives in you. I mean, every one of us have some kind of a mirror that we look into every morning. I'm sure everybody does. I mean, you've got a mirror in your bathroom or you've got a mirror in your, a rear view mirror in your car or whatever. But whenever you look into that mirror, say to yourself, God lives in him or her. God's in there. The creative power of the universe is on the inside of you. That's what's in there. He's your helper. He's there for you personally he's for you not against you the words you speak when you speak god's word it says it will not return void but will accomplish what you send it to do you have to send it you can do every one of us can do this every one of us can do this whatever level you're on you can do this just take this one simple truth today and begin speaking the word I mean, you, you can go to the bookstore and you can get yourself a little confession book. That's good, because you, you, you've got to have the word that you can speak. But if nothing else, Jesus. Power in that name. I mean, every one of you in here know enough of the word. You know that the word says, greater is he that's in you that's in, than that's in the world. You know the scripture says, I am more than a conqueror in this life. Guess what? That's in this life, not in heaven. That's here, 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 here. You're more than a conqueror here. You're an overcomer. The joy of the Lord is your strength. There's enough scriptures that every one of us, you can just think of them, and they're there. But do something with them. Begin speaking them. Just begin saying them. And begin just meditating on them. Letting them run over and over inside your mind. Just take that one little scripture. Greater is he that's in me 
I mean, greater is he that's in me than the sickness that's in your body. Greater that's he that's in me than my empty bank account. Greater that's he that's in me than my relationship that's gone south. The greater one's in me. What? He'll lead you. He'll guide you. He'll direct you. He'll show you the light or the path to walk out of that situation. There's a pathway to healing for every one of us. Healing for me is going to be different than it is for you. Now, it's going to include one thing for all of us, speaking the Word. But there's the Word of God being spoken, and there's the Spirit that has to lead us. Both of those we need. We'll talk about being led by the Spirit in a couple of weeks. We'll get more into that then. Okay? We've got to run. Father, we just thank you for your Word, Father. The truthfulness of your Word, Father God. Lord, we choose to be doers of your Word and not hearers only, Father. Father, we know, we know that in ourselves, Father, we seem so inadequate, Father. It seems, Father, God, just the way that we feel, Father, we don't have what we have to have, what we need. But, Father, your word says that we're not to be moved by how we feel. Yes, in ourselves, we are inadequate. But your word does say that greater is he that's in each and every one of us, Father. So, Father, we thank you for your love. We thank you for your joy and your peace. And we thank you for your word and the Spirit that you sent to help us. And Holy Spirit, you are the teacher. Take these words that were spoken today, Holy Spirit. Bring, continue to bring it to their remembrance. Lead them and guide them and teach them into all truth. And give them peace beyond all understanding. In Jesus' name, glory to God. You be blessed. <laughs>